The man of will breaks all boundaries. As above, so below. Magic of come to realize is a new way of seeing our own world. Something divine truly does exist. You're listening to the Culture Shock Podcast with your host, Dave Oscuro. Good Monday morning, everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Culture Shock Podcast. I am your host, Dave, and my guest today is Kira Mamula. Kira runs the website K for Kira. She is a writer, model, and men's wellness advocate. I've been really excited to have Kira on the show for some time now because I feel like the perspective that she puts out through her content is both challenging and invocative and is absolutely what we need to hear. And in fact, if you read the bio on her website, she says very clearly, warning, my messages are not what you want to hear, but what you need to hear. And I think that is in this world, uh, something of a lost art, being able to ingest content and uh, articles that are challenging our preconceived notions. But I also feel like it's, it's, absolutely important if we were to expand our consciousness and our place in society for us to uh, be mindful of what we consume not only from a uh, product you know purchasing perspective or from a dietary perspective but also from an intellectualist perspective and i think that what kira puts out into the world and her advocacy challenges the status quo in some circles but in the way that it desperately desperately needs if we are to address some of the issues that we currently face i i absolutely enjoyed my conversation with kira as often is the case on this podcast we could have kept on talking that's just sort of the nature of the beast with this thing once you get rolling you find that there are just like 15 other topics that you could have touched on um, and I would definitely have Kira on again because I do think that there's some stuff that we just didn't get a chance to get to. Um, but I I think the conversation is very enlightening. I think you will sometimes uh, hear things that may challenge your natural instincts. I think that she is very fair in the way she approaches topics from the men's health and men's wellness and how we address mental illness within um, male circles social media, the impact that it has on us, uh, and many more topics. So thank you again to Kira. I think she did a wonderful job uh, expressing her viewpoints and asking some really interesting questions and adding some perspective that perhaps we don't always hear uh, because it might be somewhat taboo to to talk about things, especially as it relates to mental health with men. I think uh, it's no secret that in our society, we typically sort of ask men to be stoic and lack emotion. And I think the negative ripples of that mindset and that way of raising young men um, affects all folks. Again, I could not be happier. I'm so thankful for her time. And so without further ado, this is Kira from K4Kira.com. I, I mean this in the absolute best possible way. One of the things that I admire about the work that you're doing is that it's fairly diverse. I mean, you know, if you look at your website, it, you, you, uh, you know, your official sort of title is men's wellness activists. But on top of that, you're also doing podcasts and blogging and modeling, and I'm sure more things that I don't even know about a 3d exhibition. I mean, you're, you're busy doing a lot of different playing with a lot of different mediums, which I love because I try to do something very similar. I guess let's start with what interested you and in, in being an advocate for men's wellness, which is a, something of a rarity these days. And then um, from there, how did that, how did that translate to these other mediums that you're playing with? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I noticed when I worked in the corporate uh, world for 11 years that empathy 
isn't exactly part of uh, the DNA within the mm-hmm. um, workplace. And I especially dealt with it on a, on a uh, personal level as well, where mm-hmm. um, mental health has no, uh, there's no room for it in corporate life, you know, and right. um, free massages and, uh, you know, days off is just a band-aid for a much deeper problem um, mm-hmm. with uh, people in general. You know, this country is not really built on empathy. Some no. countries are, you know, we're not. Uh, we're built on uh, strength, control, um, you know, power to the people, you know, the strong, silent type. Rugged and, individualism too, I feel like. Yeah, for sure. And there's nothing wrong with that. However, everything needs to be in, in harmonious. Mm-hmm. There needs to be a give and take. If you're too much of one thing, the other will be lacking. And I noticed it in my 11 years in corporate um, life and uh, me struggling with my own uh, mental health, recognize the issues that I saw both in my personal life, but also in coworkers and especially in men. And it mm-hmm. reminded me um, growing up, my brother and the way he had presented all the struggles he was going through mm-hmm. with no real support. And right. I had always had a uh, very close relationship with men. I understood them mm-hmm. in, in maybe a different way than a lot of women could. I empathize with the things they had to go through um, in dealing with women and this, um, you know, women are from, you know, or men are from Mars, women are from Venus, old school kind of mentality. And it really drove me to see underlying issues uh, when it comes to how society defines masculinity and forcing men into a box, which then uh, permeates into the rest of society. So if men are not okay, no one else can be okay. And, you know, that's where my journey kind of began. Yeah. And I, and I, we talked a little bit off off the recording about you being from Pittsburgh, which I I've not been to Pittsburgh, but I've been to the Pennsylvania area in Philadelphia, and it's a fairly working class state. And being from Texas, and especially South Texas, which is also a working class state, I, what you mentioned about how men are not taken care of, and and the expectations of how men are allowed to release and exper- an experience and express their opinions and their feelings, is very rooted in that old school stoic stoicism which i'm not inherently against but there's a lot of repression there you know when i was growing up i was a a pretty sensitive child i guess you know being a product of divorce and and going through that trauma and and other things and i wanted to express myself in my emotions and sometimes that led to crying and i remember my stepdad in particular who's kind of a dirtbag always was trying to toughen me up you know always was trying to like make me uh, suppress those emotions, right? Make a man quote unquote out of me. And all it really did was make me very angry for a great number of years um, to the point where three years ago during Christmas, he and I nearly got in a fight because he kind of pulled that sort of mentality on me. But now I'm not 14, I'm 40. And now all, all that it, all that it, did was well up that anger that was instilled upon me 
except now I'm lashing out at the, it's like, it's like if you beat an animal, right? At some point, the animal will lash out at the person that beats them. And that's kind of what I felt like in that moment. It was embarrassing for everyone involved and embarrassing for myself, but like the way a lot of times we raise young men in my experience is to suppress themselves and their feelings and not find a healthy way to express it. And we, and we shame them if they're too sensitive and we shame them if they're not sensitive enough and we have a problem and it's, and it's manifesting itself in ways that affect women and affect society at large. Absolutely. You know, your story is, is one that one women don't, a a lot of women don't seem to care about or Mm -hmm. recognize or truly um, realize how boys are indoctrinated into this belief that they have to hold the motions in. You know, I always give the example when a little girl falls off her bike, you know, the parents come running and it's band-aids and it's, mm-hmm. are you okay? Here, have an ice cream. When a boy falls off a bike, it's man up, get up, you're fine, brush it off, get back on the bike. And right. that starts at a very young age. And and then we're shocked when we see statistics of, you know, that men are four times more likely to commit suicide than women. Mm-hmm. Commit suicide, you know, and it just doesn't seem that there is a lot of focus on it. Like, oh, well, the patriarchy and the future's female and, well, you know, let's just push men onto an island. They're, they're a mess anyways. You know, it's, sure. it's this dismissal um, that I see that a, a lot of the feminism has turned into where only women matter and men now need to be shoved down. And I don't think personally from a humanistic standpoint is that is the way to gain equality nor is Mm -hmm. it a a way to gain healthy relationships like personally i'm sick of dating men who uh struggle with trying to define emotions and how to bring that out because of the way they were brought up you know and if we can if we can help men find that area where they feel comfortable and in enough to express themselves, we will see much less depression, um, physical, you know, attributes that are, you know, overweight and, and heart disease, you know, uh, workplace shootings. I mean, these are all, like you mentioned, are you're a ticking time bomb. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way I usually give an example is, is, I don't know if in science class, when you're growing up, you had to make a paper mache volcano. Oh yeah. That's like my favorite thing. (laughs) It was the best part of science, I swear. And it was the baking soda and the vinegar. And and then you would put a little dye in it and it would just, Mm -hmm. that's how it is with emotions. You cannot repress them without them rearing their ugly head in, in some capacity. And unfortunately, Men are human beings, just like women. They have to have the ability to express those emotions. And there was always the ideology and the thinking that men's brains are very different than women. Mm-hmm. And that has completely been absolutely disproven, that they're actually very similar. It's the social constructs that pigeonhole them into these categories of this is who you're supposed to be. Right. And then when they reach their 30s and 40s, 
their gigantic mess. And they're like, oh my God, you know, and they realize everything they were taught was a lie, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that's a really tough thing to take on. And, I, and frankly, I mean, that's, those are the things I try to bring awareness to, to both men and women of, right. hey, it's, it's not, and because I used to be that, um, oh my God, what the hell is wrong with this guy? I don't want to mm-hmm. be his therapist. Why is he, why is he a mess? And there was no empathy there, but that's what happens when you grow up with a strong feminist single mom who tells mm-hmm. you that, that you don't need a man and that you're going to be in charge of the house. And I think there's a lot of people in my generation that grew up that way. A lot of women, you know, and, and we don't recognize the things that come out of our mouth and that the, the what that does to human beings, you know, the right. words we use have an impact and saying things like the future is female though is menial does have a, a, a subconscious impact on men that, right. you know, nobody really thinks about, you know, and um, that's what I try to try to bring on a daily basis is a little bit more, opening the mind a little bit to different perspectives. Well, I know there's a few things that you said I want to touch on. Number one, the, the, the thing that stuck out to me the most is when you mentioned being raised by a strong feminist mother who taught you that you didn't need a man, right? Mm-hmm. So my parents split when I was, I think, eight, seven or eight, something like that. And, and I was predominantly raised by my mom, who is also, a, I would, she probably now would not consider herself a feminist. She's gotten quite a bit more conservative as she's gotten older, but she essentially is, if you look at her actions and she's actually not nearly as conservative as she thinks she is when you talk to her really about issues, as is, I think, the case for most people. When you really talk to them, they tend to be more towards the middle. But she raised me in a very similar manner, but she raised me to never need a woman, right? It was really important to my mom to raise me, to know how to iron my own clothes, to know how to like wash my own clothes, to do, you know, all the stuff that are in, in our society would, would traditionally be um, constructed for women's job. I'm doing air quotes on an audio podcast, but her whole thing for me was uh, never, you don't need to be relying on a woman to take care of yourself, which is on the surface, a good lesson. But what I think was missing was, and I didn't learn until very much later in life was how to be symbiotic in a relationship, how to give, how to do the give and take in a relationship. I think a lot of my generation, our generation was taught to be self-sufficient. We're going back to that rugged individualism, but, but what was lacking was, okay, how do you deal when someone doesn't have, for example, the same libido as you, how do you deal with someone who's maybe at a different, at a different point of emotional maturity than you? How do you deal with someone who is uh, expressing a feeling that is overwhelming to you that you may not be qualified to handle? You know, we're not, our partners aren't psychiatrists. They're not, they're not trained in that, in those areas. And so that, that is, I, I very much think something that we don't discuss enough of. Um, and then, and then the other thing that you talked about was, and, again, and I think this is, plays a part in that, which is one of the reasons why we're not really addressing some of these very glaring and important issues is that there seems to be this idea that it's a zero sum game that, that if we, that clearly and historically 
women are at a disadvantage in society and and there has been institutionalized bigotry across multiple uh, marginalized communities women being one of them however focusing on improving that area of life does not mean you don't focus on improving the the way we raise young men in particular because they're connected ultimately and i think that one of the ways and again i'll just speak for myself but when you're not taught how to adequately express your emotions and and thus deal with situations that are difficult, um, you tend to, and I think this is true for a lot of men, we tend to lean towards trying to control the situation, right? That's a, it's sort of a safety mechanism. Like if I'm feeling out of control, I'm going to desperately tighten my fist and try to control a situation, which of course doesn't work, right? There's a famous saying, like the tighter you, you grasp sand, the more it slips through your fingers. I think a lot of men express themselves in that manner, which of course then leads to potentially controlling relationships and being domineering over women, et cetera, et cetera. I've seen this play out many times, especially with younger men. And then I've talked about this on the show often. The other thing that I've experienced in my life is, is basing my self-worth on my sexual proudness, which you see also in a lot of men. We talk about like, a, you see online a lot of conversation about fuck boys this and and men who are players and things of that nature and there was probably a period in time where that was just sort of accepted as boys being boys but i think it's actually a reflection of not being taught healthy ways of expressing and validating your own self-worth and so it it, it manifests itself in a way that could potentially be very negative absolutely you know i would 100 percent agree i mean is there a reason why we teach the physical elements of, of sexual and sexuality in health classes and yet not the mental and, and uh, emotional pieces of, of a healthy relationship. Why yeah. is that not part of health class? You know, I mean, those are part of a well-rounded individual because, and what the answer is, <laughs> I'll answer my own question <laughs> is because the U S predominantly doesn't like mental health issues. They don't want to talk about mental or emotional things mm -hmm. you know it's just not the way this country was built it's built sure. on the on the backs of strong men and women you know and um we need to be able to shift that you know the other day i was watching my 10 year old niece she was staying at my my place and it's interesting when you're around a child um to see how they're viewing the world right now mm -hmm. and you know, the TikToks, the, all of that type of like influx of information that they're getting. And this is a 10 year old who was telling me about a boy at school who what had the elements of toxic masculinity. And she used mm. that phrase, toxic masculinity. I was like, whoa, <laughs> no, we need to ha now have a conversation you know, right. and I'm not entirely sure parents are doing that where they hear, hey, toxic masculinity, we need to have a conversation where, you know, human beings are not inherently toxic. There's toxic behaviors, there's toxic relationships, there's toxic actions, but human beings themselves are not toxic. You know, like those, those types of things imprint into our brains and then we just regurgitate it without really thinking yeah. this is a 10 year old who is saying phrases that adults are using incorrectly, let alone right. year old, you know, and it's, um, I think we have to be much more cognizant of the things that we say to each other 
and also what we consume. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's the level of critical thinking that needs to come into play versus just allowing information to permeate our brain and then we just accept it as law. You know, we really have to be able to bring in a level of our own belief system, you know, and, and there's a lot that goes into an individual uh, in terms of their past generational Mm -hmm. trauma, um, all kinds of environmental factors. And, and I guess that's where the empathy is always where I go back to when it comes as like core foundation of what I do, what I push out. Um, Though I'm a men's wellness advocate, women understand that if men are healthy, it makes their relationships 800 times better. And so they understand that. And there's no um, fear that I'm, I hate women or, and pro man, you know, it's, they understand that there needs to be an equilibrium there. And that's, that's what, you know, we, I'm hoping to push more out that we are all just humans trying to get through this thing called life. I mean, really, you know, I mean, that's, that's what it comes down to is we've all gone through our own traumas in life and to recognize that all the time when you're dealing with someone, it makes you check yourself a little bit, more than you normally would. Yeah. And I think, I think that again, we, we as a society have gone to a point where we simplify everything to very um, bite size commentary. And I think that we don't often connect the dots between separate issues. So on the one hand, we'll have an issue where we're talking about the way men are raised and the way men behave as adults. On a separate issue, we'll talk about the way women have historically and currently still get treated and and the results of that, right? And then thirdly, we'll talk about how um, as a society, we're moving further and further away from critical, like the deep critical thinking and reason and moving into what I call like single serving thought processes, right? Twitter thought processes where everything is so finite that it's it's crunched down into like a buzz term like you mentioned earlier the future is female and all context and nuances is, is is expelled from that so like a term like toxic masculinity it's used because that's what's used and there's very little thought process that goes on you know any deeper into that um the other thing that i've noticed and and um it's difficult for me to express my discomfort seeing because then you're like that guy. But um, the men are trash memes that I see everywhere. It's just so people who, who are otherwise fairly progressive in their, in their beliefs on, on how social interactive, you know, social interactivity works. They will in the same voice, say men are trash or they'll just do, you know, do talk meme after meme after meme after like uh, negative people. And I understand why, because they've experienced negativity, right. And they're probably frustrated. And you mentioned earlier, like you'd get to a point where you're like, why am I having to deal with this guy? You know, why is it, you know, what's wrong with him? But those three things amongst many other things, they're all interconnected. You know, the way women are treated is in some way related to the way men are raised the way we deal with both of those issues are is influenced 
by how much we're truncating reason and thought into simple little headlines. And I think that unless we look at the big picture, which is why I appreciate your newsletter and, and things that you post, unless we take a sort of a, a 10,000 feet view of the landscape of things, we're really not able to address them adequately. Yeah, that's correct. And you know, it's interesting you brought up the men are trash thing because I was going to bring that up as well. As, and I haven't se- I wasn't sure if it was still a thing because I hadn't seen memes um, recently about it, but I also, and it might be because I refuse to, I just don't follow that yeah. type of realm to see it, you know, and then the way the algorithms are built, I only see the self-help and, and, you know, a Taoism type of, you know, philosophy and positivity. So uh, there's, there's women that walk around with shirts that say men are trash. Now, can you imagine if a man were to walk around with a shirt that said women are trash? Yeah. That man would be on the front page of CNN. Right. So, so why, why the, why the disconnect there? Why is it okay that because women were oppressed for X amount of years that now it's, now it's their turn, you know, why does it always have to be one upping the other? And I, that's where it comes into play where if you truly want to make a change in the world, if you really actually want to have a community that embraces one another and not just one that is constantly one-upping the other, whether male, female, straight, gay, whatever the, the categories are. If you truly want to have a, a near utopia place, you would accept the person for who they are. And actually, instead of saying, what the hell is wrong with you? I can't believe you abused me. I can't believe you're an awful person. Men are trash because, because I was raped or whatever it was you would actually turn your palm up toward the universe and the sky and said, here, and hold out your hand to these people and say, I'm going to help you through this. And we see videos of this, which is, it's always shocking for people to watch it, where someone's on the stand in a courtroom and, and talking about how they're, um, you know, their brother was murdered and they're like, Hey, can I, can I get up and give this cop a hug? The cop, Mm -hmm. the very cop that killed the brother, you know, because there's this, I could hate you for what you did. I could hate the gender for what they did to me, or I could make an impact on the world or on my, whatever small amount of, of care that I can give to help change it in whatever way. By holding my hand out and saying, let's do this together, mm-hmm. you know, instead of pushing one group of people down and saying, whatever it is, anti-vaccination, pick something, you know, right. it's the shoving the one down and saying you're wrong, that people need to understand only perpetuates the cycle of abuse. Yeah. It's abuse. And if we were to stop ourselves, pull the ego down and say, you know what? I'm going to help you. I don't agree with you, but let's work on this together. That's how you change a society for the better. Not wearing shirts that say men are trash. Though you think that may be funny, 
-hmm. it's actually doing irreparable damage for women. <laughs> that's sure. the that's the most amazing thing that women don't understand when they send memes like that is that they're actually damaging the gender. Mm. You know, not just okay, if you don't give if you don't give a shit about men, all right. But you're at by doing things like that by by you know having this constant battle, you're actually doing your own gender a disservice. Why would you do that? It's it's absolute um, suicide. I mean, it's, it's, uh, to me, it doesn't make any sense. Right. You know, to me, it makes more sense to say, Hey, um, let me see if I can help you through this. You know, I, I know you've been through it an, and uh, it could be a male abuser. It could be a murderer, whatever it is. And it's interesting. I've had people say, you know, the way you approach things has a biblical type of uh foundation to it mm -hmm. you know if you read the bible i'm i was raised catholic where you know you turn the other cheek and all that stuff you know and i'm not necessarily wouldn't say it comes from that uh i think the notion of helping those who have hurt you are is is found in lots of different philosophies Right. You know, I don't think it just resides in a biblical sense, but yes, there is that deep rooted, um, instead of the eye for an eye, you change the world with the little impact that you can by helping the person that you feel has hurt you the most. And that's how you change the world, you know? Yeah, absolutely. L last week I had a, a guest on who was going through um, the 12 steps and who's, who's embraced sobriety for the last two years. And she talked about the fourth and fifth step, which I found really fascinating, which was not only, you know, the fourth step is write down the list of all the people who have done you harm, or at least as you perceive them to have done you harm. But the fifth step is not forgiving, and I, forgive me if I misstate it, but as I understand it, it's not just forgiving them in the, in the Christian sense of turning the other cheek per se, but it's acknowledging your role in the scenario. Now, if, if you get mugged on the street, it's not your fault, but what you do after that is your responsibility. And we talked on Twitter a little bit about Mike, Mark Manson and um, his book, the subtle art of not giving a fuck talks a lot about that. Like what you do with the things that happen to you are under your control. And I think that's something that is sort of a, uh, it's not really preached or shared amongst people because it feels like, or at least it's misrepresented as um, being anti-victim, you know, and, and it can, it can be, it can certainly be skewed that direction. You can, you see that as well. Uh, but again, this is where the nuance is important. The other yeah, thing. Absolutely. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. You know, the other, the other thing is also when I see things like men are trash or things of that nature, while I understand the a lifetime of dealing with shitheads, right? And the frustration that must come from that. It feels no different than when I see racist stuff. It's bigotry to me. And as a Chicano who grew up dealing with racism every day of my life, it would be no different than me seeing on a shirt like beaners are trash. Right. You know, and I've been called that to my face. And um, I know I know someone's going to roll their eyes when they listen to this and they think, well, but we're punching upwards. And I understand that, but I think if we call it what it is, which is misandry is, is bigotry, and we acknowledge that the, the, the roots of, of bigotry 
often come from a place of seeking to put blame somewhere. You know, I mean, that's why racism in, in areas where there's poor economic systems, you see, you tend to see the most racism, right? Because when your life isn't going well, you seek to find blame. And oftentimes you'll find blame in large swabs of folks that be based on a few interactions, you know, it's the same. It's no different than when men say, and I hate when men say this also, like I, I will oftentimes hear, especially younger men will say like women are crazy, right? Or women are super emotional or things that, you know, they, they make these broad statements based on their experiences, you know? And I'm sure I've been a shithead boyfriend. I'm sure I have because most guys have, if not all men have. I've also been hit physically by one of my ex-partners. I've also been cheated on by one of my ex-partners. I've experienced those things as well. And what I can say is that I do my best to try to not succumb to that urge to just paint a blanket statement based on my traumas or my pains that all, all X are this, you know, like I've experienced racism from everyone, all types of people, but let's say white people, right? If I went around and just said white people are trash, if I, you know, we'll flip this, we'll, we'll do, we'll flip it and we'll do a punching upward, so to speak scenario. If I, as a, as a Hispanic person wore a shirt that said white people are trash, there are probably some people who would celebrate that. But I would also offend a great number of people who are probably just good folks. And and I try to remind myself that most folks are good people, you know, but but the their identity and their reputation is oftentimes fueled by the vocal minority that are usually on the extreme end of a spectrum and are sort of speaking for average folks are kind of in the middle. Absolutely. You know, what I would say is that people that use those broad terms like men are trash or, you know, anything like that to, um, to me, that person's in pain. Mm -hmm. Like I can visually see the pain in them, Mm -hmm. the sores that are bubbling up inside them of, of the trauma they have felt from, that uh, group of people that they have to express through some kind of um, blanket statement. And it's easy to get upset by that annoyed, like, God, why, why are men X, Y, and Z, or why are women such bitches or crazy, you know, but there's deeper meaning there. You know, you don't just say things like that if you haven't had an experience and the more you dig deeper with that one person, you'll find out all kinds of trauma that's happened. Right. And that's what we miss is the reason behind things. It's so mm-hmm. easy to label people as just throwaways like, Oh, he, you know, she's damaged. She's got dad, oh, dad, yeah. all yeah, this stuff. Yeah, it's terrible. You know? Um, and it, it, it places you into a category of like, Oh, trash, you know, just everyone's trash around me. Now ask the person who's saying that what's happened to them. And mm-hmm. they guarantee you have gone through something that they have unresolved issues with that particular group, whatever right. that might be. Um, the, the part that's the problem is that the accountability and you touched on it where it's far easier. And actually it's a bit lazy in blaming everyone. Oh, it's men. That's the problem. Oh, it's social media. That's the problem. It's journalism today. 
oh, it's men, it's women, it's pick a group and it's their fault for the destruction of humanity. Right. It's way harder and it takes a lot more intelligence to look in the mirror and say, what is my part in this? That requires you to pull down the ego mm-hmm. and really do some self actualization and realization of your actions into society. What are you doing to contribute to it? You know, there's that, that kind of, um, funny little quip. That's like when you point the finger at someone for, you know, fingers are pointing back at you. And, um, it's true. You know, when you, decide to blame your woes in life on your upbringing, your mom, your dad, I was abused as a kid, I was raped, whatever it is, that's fine until it's not. Until you are now not taking accountability for your own healing. Mm-hmm. You can't use that as a crutch to then go through life saying this group of people are bad. No, no, no. You have to take the accountability and responsibility for yourself. You're in control of your own healing. I was raped um, in 2015. I easily, easily could have gone down the road of men are terrible, all the stuff, right? Um, And allowed my depression to take over and all of this, you know, all of those things. But that healing is on me, you know? And I, it's not fair to place my own trauma onto someone else no matter what the trauma is and we that takes an extraordinary amount of effort and energy to be able to really go through the healing journey however long that takes it could take a month it could take years but to really go through it and take the accountability and responsibility so that when you come out of it you're not turning into one of those people that just blames groups of people anti-vaccination right. it's their fault it's right. men's fault that my life is horrible like no 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 when i see statements like that those people have individual traumas they have not worked through and they're in a, their own process they haven't gotten there yet you know everyone right. evolves at a different rate and there's nothing wrong with them i don't look down on people that that haven't gotten to that position in life yet because we all we're all unique human beings. We all evolve at, at different rates and different times. We all have varying stages of, of our consciousness. Some are higher consciousness, some are lower consciousness. It doesn't mean people are dumb or that they don't understand things. It's just that they're in a different place in life. And if we can recognize that piece and instead of pushing them down and saying, what is wrong with you and offer our hand to them and say, Hey, I'll help you into a higher conscious level, my God, what a, what a change the world would be if we could actually do that. Well, it's funny that you mentioned the world because there's, um, it was actually a tagline for True Detective Season 2. But it goes, we get the world that we deserve. And that always resonated with me because I understand as well uh, trauma. You know, There's trauma that I've experienced in my life, especially at a very, very young, vulnerable age that I've had to process over the last 50 you know, or sorry, uh, 30 years, not quite 50 yet, but you know, for the last 30 years, I've had to sort of process and deal with in my own right. And um, it's easy 
and and even to some degree, it's understandable to lash out. You know, if you get a series of bad experiences, it's very easy for you to just say, like you said, to, to put the blame elsewhere. Um, but, you know, the problem is, is that when you don't work through that trauma, when you don't make the effort to take, to regain control of a situation that perhaps was out of your control, and for many people was, it, it eats away at you. And it, and it, in my experience, it, it will warp you and it will, it will further the damage inflicted upon you. And then it perpetuates a cycle of bad experiences. You know, for example, again, just to use this as the example, if, if you're a person who leans heavily on the men is trash sort of meme phenomena, then every man that you, you'll be, there's a, there's a, another phrase that I like that says where uh, attention goes, energy flows. So if your if your attention is that men are trash, your energy is going to flow your you that direction, and you're going to find yourself in this perpetual cycle of dealing with bad men. It's actually the opposite of what people think is going to occur. If instead you say that um, you know there are good men in the world, you'll find that you'll be drawn in that direction. And I think up until maybe a few days ago, I would have probably said social media is a big contributing factor to this, and I do think it plays a role. But I don't. I think to your point, it's not social media's fault. It's social media is a reflection of us, and if we don't like what we see there, then maybe we need to do the work to change ourselves. Where I do think social media plays a role in it, and actually Mark Manson mentions it in his essay, is that it allows us to silo our the the voices that we hear to only people who feel exactly the way we do and are echoing exactly what we're saying and so it becomes this echo chamber of like fuck that thing yeah fuck that thing and then everyone is saying that and they're all sort of like perpetuating their own lack of growth by just all huddling together and talking about how terrible this one group of society is no different than if a, a racist wants to go find a message board filled with racist bullshit Right. Then, you know, there'll be people who will blame the Mexicans for taking their jobs. And they're all like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all their fault. Right. It's no different to me from my perspective as both a man and a Hispanic person. When I see that stuff, it's the same level of bigotry. And it, and it comes from the same place. It's people who feel a lack of sovereignty over their lives, seeking to find some reason for it rather than taking the hard steps to take their own control back because that's scary when it's when it's ultimately when you have more sovereignty over your life it's it's a frightening thing to understand that that the bad things that happen to you while it might not be your fault it is your responsibility on how you deal with it yeah absolutely i think you touched on a lot of uh really important things as it pertains to the way the human species likes to join into groups Mm -hmm. that they feel comfortable with. And then it defines, they allow it to define who they are. That's why sometimes I don't know if you'll meet, uh, I know I've met a ton of people who their life always seems to be a mess. Yes. And they're constantly going through something and they just seem to sit in it. And no matter what you say to them of like, Hey, why, you know, this is going really well for you. They love their bubble of woeism, is -hmm. what I like to call it. This woeism of like, woe is me, life is miserable. And as much as they wish their life on the outside was different, 
they've secretly like the identity they've created mm-hmm. of woe is me because they get attention from it. And there's yeah. a lot of that, a lot. And you can't feed that. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, no, no. At some point that person needs to grow out of that. And what's that's the scary part is leaving that identity and saying, I don't want to be this person. I don't know who I am outside this because I have recognized that this is who I am for so long that I don't even know how else to be, yeah. but I'm going to try and do it. That's, that's where work comes into play. That's, that's part of growing as a human being. You know, we all have the ability to change. Every single one of us has the ability to change. You have to have the desire the desire starts, the spark of wanting to do it. And in order to do that, you have to be able to look outside yourself and release any fear that, oh, I may not, I don't, you know, may not be good enough for what people are going to think about me. All of those things don't matter when you're able to sit in peace of authenticity you know, and really truly who are you and who you want to be. And, you know, I think it's, um, I think Mark does a fantastic job in his essay speaking about those different groups where people get this, to your point, the echo chamber. Mm -hmm. I call it tribes. You stick with your tribe so much so that you lose your own personal opinions because you don't want to get kicked out of the tribe. And, that's where the problem lies, where you get stuck in the echo chamber and you lose yourself and you lose your own personal opinions on life, you know? And I think it does Mm -hmm. take work to be able to open your mind to all kinds of perspectives, even ones that you don't like. That's, that's where the, that's where it's really interesting for me is to be able to look at the things I really don't agree with. Yeah. You know, that's when you're, that's where intellect comes in, you know, gaining information on a daily basis, um, in little quips here and there and little videos on TikTok does absolutely nothing for your brain except create an attention deficit. Yeah. You know, you need to be able to train, retrain your brain to take in long format type of information again, to ex- expand the mind that takes effort and right. a des- and a desire you know and um i personally can't pl- go to the playground with people who are who sit in a myopic view because right. it ruins then my own my own environment that i've created you know um so i think you know i think the biggest thing is pushing yourself outside the comfy zone whatever mm-hmm. that comfortable zone might be doing things that are outside your little tribe that you're part of where you're just spewing out the same crap that everyone else in your tribe is saying, do something different, learn something new that right. might open your brain a little bit to something else. Well, and I've, I've always found that I grow the most when I'm challenged um, because my first inclination is to be, I'm just being honest. My first inclination is like, Fuck that. That's not right. But but then I stop and I think and I say, okay, hold on. Just chill out for a moment and, and just read this. There's a lot of, you know, in my on my website, I put a, a, a list of recommendations 
blogs and newsletters and things that I, I digest regularly, which of yours is a part of, um, because I do genuinely enjoy it. And there's a couple of people on there who may have differencing opinions than me, you know, especially as it relates to stuff like COVID and things of that nature. And rather than just jump into that, fuck that mentality and retreating to the comfort of the, the, um, the yes men, so to speak, the yes people, I, I try to read through it and I try to think about it and then I decide whether or not I agree with it or not. But I've always found that even just the checking of my ego really helps me grow and just helps the way my brain processes information become more aligned with what I want it to be. Uh, I'm going to date myself a little bit with this reference, but I've probably seen Sex in the City the entire series, the entire series, two or three times in its entirety, you know? And I remember when I was growing up, there was a real popular book called He's Just Not That Into You. And it, it comes from an episode where one of the ladies, I forget which one, Miranda maybe, was uh, rejected by a guy. And all her friends are just saying, oh, it's not your fault. They're giving her all the platitudes and excuses, right? Which is what we see on social media often, if that's the kind of, if that's the way you choose to adjust your algorithm, right? You'll get that temporary dopamine uh, hit of just being told it's not your fault. And then there's this one dissenting voice that says, here's the reality of what the situation is. And it sucks to hear sometimes, but it sometimes is exactly what you need to hear as that show shows, right? And, and sometimes that harsh reality that you need to hear comes from shitty people. Right. You know, that character of Berger in that episode is like this revelation of truth and honesty but then if I remember correctly, he ends up dumping Carrie with like a post-it note. And the the duality can exist between good advice and people who maybe aren't so great. And I feel like as a society, we're really afraid of that. Really afraid of getting good advice from bad people or people that we don't agree with or whatever you want to call it. But I do think it's it's incredibly important to have those dissenting opinions respectfully because if the if you're just talking to a shithead then sometimes it's not worth your effort but if you're talking to someone who in good faith is just offering an opinion that challenges you i only see good that can come from that even if in the end you you go back to just being on opposite sides of the of the opinion right that's okay too but you'll have earned that position versus then being sort of sold the position off the rack like you're buying a suit you know Absolutely. You know, I think there's a, there's an art to being able to provide a different point of view Mm -hmm. when it doesn't turn into name calling. And (laughs) that to me is just child play. And I don't, I can't with that. The minute it goes down that track and I'm like, no, 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 that's, I'm bored now. I get bored with that. Mm -hmm. I want to be challenged, you know, and I, I like to be able to give um, different perspectives and I like to gain different perspectives and, and can, can respectfully disagree with others. You know, I mean, that's how we each learn when it comes to that. And it's funny. I meet a lot of men who have watched sex in the city. I feel like that show has really helped men in, in that generation of like, what is it really like for women and how do I gain information of like, how to be a girl. I think it did an incredible job with giving an inside view of uh, how women think 
you know, and it's in an entertainment, you know, you always have to take everything with a grain of salt, but um, it's the things that men want to know. And I think that's why Cosmopolitan did so well right. that, uh, you know, it was giving those, those little snippets of what does she want? What does she find pleasurable? And instead of actually having like real conversations with each other. Right. right. We're not taught <laughs> that. No, no, no. We have to watch shows that are for entertainment purposes. Or we have to read magazines that are run by advertising agencies uh, trying to push products in order to gain insight into what each gender wants. That makes right. way more sense. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's that's the issue. That's where critical thinking comes in, where, you know, how do we have respectful conversations uh, of differing points of view uh, without putting someone down or, you know, labeling them into a certain category? And you can do it. It's it's a matter of using your language skills as a human being. We all have them. Right. You know, we don't have to resort to the. Uh, rolling around in the mud like a pig when of the name calling and all this ridiculous stuff that you see on, on social media. Um, one thing I do do, which is interesting when you brought it up where sometimes you see that voice uh, that will kind of startle, startle you and, but it's the voice that you need it and you don't want to mm -hmm. really read it. I, I find myself being that voice constantly and I don't mind taking the heat for it. Um, for example, as a woman, if I see another woman writing to a man on Twitter or Facebook, like, oh, thanks for being a mansplainer, blah, whatever it is, I immediately go in on her and say, hey, he's not a mansplainer. One, stop using that term. And two, just because he's a man trying to explain something doesn't make him a mansplainer. You're not mm -hmm. using the term correctly and, and use, use your linguistic skills, you know, stop labeling people. And I immediately will get, you know, women who are affronted by it, but those are, those are ways you're able to change. Yeah. I'm, I'm a minority when it comes to that type of voice where, you know, you call people out on their shit and that's what right. we need instead of, constantly saying, yeah, men are terrible. And then the other woman's like, yeah, I had this problem. You know, be the voice that says something different, that challenges the group that you may be part of. Why do you have to constantly right. agree with everyone in your tribe? You know, and on top of that, why do you have to limit yourself to one tribe? There's Absolutely. no reason why you need to be in that tribe that you chose, whatever that is, whether that's Trump, Biden, Democrat, Republican. I personally don't believe in labels. You mm -hmm. know, where people have a hard time understanding if I'm like or trying to figure out what I what am I? Am I liberal? Am I conservative? Uh, libertarian? I'm all over the place with my ideas. And I'm like, I'm just me. Why do I have right. to have why do I have to be part of a bucket or a category if i see something that i don't agree with and i'm a woman and i'm going to call out another woman on her bullshit i will 100 do that because just because i'm a woman doesn't mean i'm going to back every woman and what she says if she's saying something hateful i absolutely will say something back to her you know and that's being part of the individual and the autonomous view where you don't mind 
going outside of the group and mm-hmm. saying, hey, you know, let's get out of the group think type of scenario here and actually present a new idea in a respectful way. Well, it's it's funny that you bring that up because it, it reminds me a bit of um, like thinking about like music and bands. The bands that I enjoy the most are the bands that are harder to categorize, right? Because they, they're they able to take their music and do a lot of different things with it. It's not so bucketed as like punk or rock or country or whatever, electronica, that their music is able to be ex- broad enough to really encapsulate whatever their artistic expression is. And that's scary for a lot of folks. I think a lot of it, and well, I asked the question, do you, because this is how I feel. I feel like a lot of when people lean heavily into being part of a tribe and tribal identity, that it's deeply rooted in an insecurity. Um, you mentioned earlier, sort of the comfort that people get from trauma. I often describe it like a warm, wet blanket. Mm. You know, it, it is something that brings comfort, but it also weighs you down. And I think that um, being part of a tribal identity is enticing and addictive. It's alluring to be part of something and to feel like you have comfort in a world that maybe isn't offering you those comforts. I think a lot of what we see and a lot of these things that we're talking about are less about, uh, it, of course, it ultimately comes down to the individual, but it's also a reflection of how we've built our society that we're not, that we don't have the institutions necessary to provide people healthy community that uh, where we're respectful and good faith discussion can occur and even uh, differencing opinions and challenging opinions. We don't really have a lot of those institutions anymore, truly. And so in the absence of that, we, we go to what feels good, just like eating candy might feel good, but if you eat too much of it, you get sick. And I think that we see that a lot. And I do think that that, at least the ability of that, to exist does tend to be somewhat perpetuated with social media because you can curate the opinions that you receive based on what you want to receive. And uh, it's easy. And I'm, I'm, I'm the biggest proponent of the block button, but it is really easy to just block out people who disagree with you, even respectfully disagree with you. And, and over time, what to me, what that's done is it's, it's deteriorated our ability to have, communication like you said it's about what you put in your in your noggin that will dictate how you're able to express yourself and if you're only getting buzzwords that you don't really understand i've seen terminology that gets misused all the time like gaslighting explaining um uh, grooming is the biggest one that i always see misuse and um there's no shame in not using something you don't understand Absolutely. And you said something really vital at the end there, um, amongst everything else, but um, it's the sense of belonging. Mm -hmm. You know, when you look at the human species, you don't survive very long if you hunt alone. Right. And we like to put ourselves in little categories and then we categorize other people. Our Mm -hmm. brain takes in something like 11 billion bits of information per second. That's a lot. That's a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the way the brain operates is very lazy. It's actually, our brain's pretty lazy automatically. Mm -hmm. Instead of critically thinking, critically thinking takes work. You have to actively do that. Your brain Mm -hmm. will not just do it on its own. It'll take a bit of information. Uh, For example, Dave is a 
Latino male, uh, tattoos, probably alternative, uh, you know, wears glasses, puts you in a bucket immediately. Mm -hmm. And that's how we process information all the time without us even knowing about it. We take the information in and we put it into a category. And what's interesting about that is that is exactly how advertising Mm. buckets us as well. That's how they serve online advertising. They pick a demographic and it's that person, single mom, has two kids, drives a Prius, shops at Whole Foods, makes 100K. They put you, here's your category. And then they serve direct advertising to you. And who then gets all of that type of finance and all that uh, profit from it? Social media. Mm -hmm. So, of course, if you're going to bucket yourself into your own tribe that you relate to, you will only see certain things pertaining to that tribe and the advertising, and it perpetuates the continuing flow of the exact same thoughts you constantly have yourself and you stay within your own little bubble. It's almost like you, you live in a cul-de-sac and you just never leave the cul-de-sac. That's what you can allow social media to do to you. If you allow it, there's a reason why that in the digital space, you're not called people or humans, you're called users. Mm-hmm. They're pushing a drug to you. And their drug is to drive advertising. That's all they're trying to do. How you use social media is up to you. How you use Google or Bing or pick any site is truly up to you. You decide. It's not their fault. If you fall victim into various buckets, that was a choice. Whether you were aware of the choices, neither here nor there, but it's a choice of how you decide the minute you click on Google and what you search in or on Facebook or on Instagram. That's, that's everything that you choose. It's not their fault if you're feeling kind of depressed for a while, because maybe you're looking at content that might be, you know, activating that piece of the brain. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Mark kind of goes into this where it's, it's our responsibility to decide what we are absorbing. And because our brain is so lazy that in order to absorb all this plethora of information, we just start absorbing it, categorizing it. Okay, next. And just, we have to be able to slow down the process. There's way too much content coming into our brain right now and we're allowing it to happen. We can't process it fast enough critically. So emotionally that the emotional thinking takes over. So we read a headline. Oh, COVID killed three teachers. Okay. Next we emotionally attach ourselves in our thinking instead of critically thinking about it. Mm -hmm. You have to, in order to critically think you have to slow your thought process way the fuck down. If you allow yourself to absorb everything and anything, you can't truly gain intellect or insight into anything. And that's where you really have to 
be open-minded to the fact of how much you're viewing on a day-to-day basis and what it is. Make a, you have to be consciously aware of the things that you allow to permeate into your brain. Your brain is a, is like a computer. You know, oftentimes I'll get into respectful uh, disagreements with random people on, on the internet about whatever article, you know, it's out and they'll, they'll say, well, they can't control it. They had trauma. Right. They can't control their emotions. Or my favorite is when, and I've heard ex-partners say this to me, and it was everything I could do not to laugh in their face when they would say it, because it's just so absurd to me. You made me act this way. You made oh, yeah. me do this. It's like, no, no, no. Social media didn't make you that, make you act a certain way. And, and no person makes you emotionally respond a certain way. You did that. Whether you're in control of yourself or not, that's that's your decision. But no one forces you into an action. No one has a gun to your head and says, you have to name call people and bully people on the internet. Right. Because, you know, I mean, that's that's a personal accountability. You have to be in charge of your your emotions. If you're not in control of your actions or thoughts or reactions, who is social media? You know, I mean, that's, that's the power. I think a lot of people, you know, if you think about it, social media and the internet hasn't been around that long. And we're just now, I see it like almost an arc. We've enjoyed it. We're like, Whoa, this flashy, flashy thing, flashy new technology. We're kind of hitting the peak where people's awareness is clicking on. And people's critical thinking is clicking on and they're realizing like, I need to be more responsible with my usage of this fun little technology. And instead of just using it mindlessly, people are now seeing like, you're seeing a lot more people taking, you know, breaks from social media because they're realizing the effects it's having on their brain. And that thing, thank God, God, it's taken long enough. But, you know, those are the things I try to express where you have to be mind. That's where mindfulness comes from. Right. Mindful of the things that you're absorbing into your brain, whether that's people around you, whether that's social media, whether that's the Internet, the news, infotainment, as I like to call it. You know, you have to really be cognizant of what you allow around you. And it goes back to our, our earlier discussion of your stepfather telling you to man up mm-hmm. your, I was, I had a client earlier this week where he's going through a tough time in his healing process through a breakup. And he has friends who are like, it's time to get over it. This man's in it 51 and he has friends who are telling him it's time. Right. No one you need to be. And I told him like, Oh my God, get away from that person. That will infect your brain. That's parasitic. That's a plague that will get into your brain pattern and make you feel worse. You do not surround yourself with things that you don't want in your brain, you know, because it, it will latch itself in there and it will be extremely difficult to get back out. So it's, it's, it's all about truly mindfulness. And I know it's like mindfulness and is like saying organic these days. It means that <laughs> literally nothing, you know, it's so commercialized. But when you really think about being mindful of your actions as a human being, 
being aware of the fact that you are the only one in control of your emotions and actions and no one's dictating to you or telling you to do things. You yourself are doing them. That you are in control of your emotions. You're in control of your brain. The mm -hmm. minute you can understand that, then you'll be able to, to make clearer, better decisions and healthier decisions for your life. But over the years of having social media and the internet, we became very lazy and just bleh, here's my power. You know, right. um, you're seeing this with Apple because we've allowed big, big tech into our genetic code almost. Mm -hmm. We have relinquished our power to them. Here, you think for me. You tell me what I'm supposed to believe. That's ridiculous. Right. At some point, we need to turn that off and turn on the critical thinking, you know, and that's like with Apple now, you know, being able to, to look at all of our photos on our phone. That is ridiculous. How are mm -hmm. we allowing that type of power? But what we don't realize, we've already allowed that power. It just, uh, it's the power of taking over our own brain patterns. That was something we did. That wasn't Apple's fault. That wasn't Google's fault. They're just a company making money off advertising. You know, well, not only that, App, Apple and Google are are headed by people, right? They're not they're not AI yet. They're just a bunch of people raised in the same society. There's a George Carlin bit where he talks about uh, politicians, and he's like, "Where do you think politicians came from? They're people like us. That's literally the best we can do." I mean, I don't agree with that part, but it's a reflection of us, right? If if uh, if we don't like what we see in politics or in big tech or whatever. Where do you think those people came from? They're not aliens, although I'm sure some people would believe that. You know, they're they're us. They're people that were raised in the house next door to you in the same society that you are. And I thought that your your last newsletter really did a great job of expanding upon the idea of um, what we put in our brain is important, just like what we put in our mouth is important. It helps develop how we think about things. If we're only getting quick bites of things, then that's how our brain will think in quick bites. And I know that growing up, it feels like there's a premium place on quickly absorbing. Like, do you remember when people used to talk about how fast one could read as yeah. though that it was a race, yeah. you know? Um, and I used to think it was an attribute. Like my brain can think quickly. Awesome. But can it think critically? That's yeah. harder. That takes time. That takes um that takes the mindless mindfulness that you spoke about. And you're right. There's like everything else. The, the, the spectacle will take anything and repackage it and, and sell it to you as a sort of um, toothless product. But I know in my own life, when the pandemic hit, it really allowed me, I was in a pretty uh, emotionally strained place in my life, mostly work related, but also just, I've never well connected with people in general and, and, during that time period and during this current time period that when tribalism really seemed like it was peaking, it was harder for me to relate to people, which is something I already struggle with. Right. Um, but, but what the pandemic allowed me is the time to invest in something different. I was able to go to hypnotherapy. I was able to uh, engage in and start learning um, ceremonial magic and meditation, both of which have really allowed me the ability to slow myself down and to recognize what I was putting in my brain. You know, do I still doom scroll in the morning? Yeah. It's something I'm working on. Um, but I, what I've tried to do is I've tried to say, okay, 
I might still doom scroll in the morning and maybe that's not the best use of my hour before I get out of bed, but I can at least stop arguing with folks online or at least minimize it, you know, really pull back from that. Like, what am I getting from that? Nothing. Okay. That's number one. Number two, how do I use my social media? Well, I could try to elevate sites that I have respect for, like your newsletter and, and various other people. Um, I could try to share quotes and, and inspirational. And I know people do that now and it's kind of a thing, but you know what? I like seeing it. And if I like seeing it, there's probably other people who like seeing it. And, and while uh, a funny meme might also be entertaining, there's a lot of that out there. You know, I'll share that now amongst my friends offline. I try to use my online presence to provide the stuff that I enjoy because I hope that it means other people will enjoy. And um, in a short amount of time, it's made my experience online more gratifying or at least less painful, perhaps less stressful. I mean, I think I hit a peak when, when last June, when there was all the protests going on with Black Lives Matters and I'm just sitting there absorbing all this negativity and all this, uh, this tribalism and hatred back and forth. And it was just like, it, it was like, I was about to hit a, a breaking point. I was about to hit like a mental breakdown, which is a too much. And I really stepped away from it and I've slowly but surely started to change my relationship with social media and the way I interact with people in general and the way I interact with information. Whereas in the morning, what I'll do is rather than doom scroll for the whole hour, I'll go to my website and I'll go through all those, those pages that I recommend. I'll just see, has anyone updated a poem? Has anyone updated a blog or newsletter? And I'll read for 30 minutes of that hour that I would have just spent like just quickly glancing through things. And and like you said, having an emotional response, but not giving myself the time to have a critical response to things. And that's a challenge for people. But I, I do, I'll, if I can set aside my pessimism for a moment, I do agree. We, I, I'm starting to see more and more people recognizing at very least that whatever they're doing is not great for them and they're looking for alternatives. And, um, and hopefully they're able to find them. Cause I do think there's more folks out there like you who are trying to offer an alternative to the quick bite society that we've kind of transformed into. Uh, you mentioned though, that there's sometimes a backlash and I would reckon, and I would, I would assume that would be the case because in a world where we're so, we lean so heavily into tribalism to satiate something within us, a hole within us that we haven't otherwise found a way to fill um, people get very angry when you don't follow the, when you don't tow the company line, so to speak, or the tribal line, as it were. Is that difficult for you? I'm sure sometimes when you, you mentioned earlier, like if you see someone making a, a hateful claim or, or using a buzzword incorrectly, you'll speak up. And I'm sure there's some pushback on that. I'm sure you get judged based on that and, and based on your art. Like, how do you deal with that? Is that hard for you or you just don't give a fuck at this point? Um, I never have. I've never been with <laughs> But that's that's a personality. I think a lot of people uh, ask me that question of like, how have you become so confident and just free flow? And it's like, uh, that's how I always have been. Um, I've been always 100% authentic to my own voice and what I believe. And if I see something that I see that's destructive or could be damaging to another human being, I'm going to speak up. And I don't mm-hmm. care if, if someone judges me on it or um, whatever they say. I personally don't get a lot of, of pushback. That's and great. 
The reason being is because I don't slosh around in the mud like a pig. Mm. Mm -hmm. I'm able to choose my words carefully. I don't trigger, like, I don't have like a gunshot trigger of like, type this out furiously. I think about what I'm going to say before I say it. And that's an, that's a skill that's very difficult, especially in this type of world where it's immediate gratification of getting your response out there as fast as possible. I always said, you know, I, I think, where social media is going is what I think should happen. And I think it would bring down a lot of the ridiculous responses and comments that, that people make is that if they set up a timer of 30 seconds before your comment posts mm. and there's a overlay that pops up that says, are you sure? Do you want to let's reread what you're what you just wrote? Are you sure about this? And it gives you 30 seconds to think about it. I guarantee you there would be a vast majority that would either cancel the comment or edit it. Yeah. Just that 30 seconds will give you that like, wait a second. Is this like is this an appropriate thing to say to another human being? Right. You know? Um, I I I can't remember the last time I said something that was derogatory or anything toward another human being, you know, um, or lashing out at someone. The way I deal with anyone that goes to that level would be to respectfully shame them. Yeah. And the way I do that, and it has worked <laughs> in an interesting way, is that if, if, the person wants to slosh around like a pig in the mud and start on the personal attacks of however, you know, based upon a comment that they might disagree with on me. Um, I will say you're better than that. I mean, yeah. you, you're better, you're a better human being than what you're presenting yourself right now. And, and I could easily, I could easily say, uh, you know, some horrible shit comment back to them. You know, I mean, that's the easy, lazy way of communicating with a human being. Right. It's harder to say, hey, you're a better person than this. There's a, um, I was reading a very interesting article about a month ago. There's an African tribe where, uh, and probably many tribes, uh, that if someone does something wrong, they will put them in a circle and surround them and everyone will speak all the great things about that human being hmm. they won't shove them down you know they'll they will say only all the positive things about that person and it's like it's a type of shaming in a positive way like you you inherently as a human being will feel bad that you acted in a negative way based upon all this positive feedback that you're getting right that makes well, sense. You're, like, you're like wow i am a good person i can't believe i i did this horrible act because that's that isn't who i am right so i use that um all the time but to be honest i i rarely get if ever pushback uh, because i take the time to articulate it in a way so that not to offend people you know, and, and that may take an extra few minutes 
but it's worthwhile because I wouldn't want someone to then be affected by something I said that day and then Mm -hmm. go and make that a domino effect. Because what I say to a human being, stranger, whoever it is, will always come full circle. It's a complete domino effect. You know, uh, what I always, uh, you know, use the reference as, you know, let's say the cashier at a grocery store is having a shit day and she's, you know, hurriedly putting your things through the scanner and putting them in a bag. And you're like kind of affronted by it. You're like, wow, this woman's like kind of a bitch. You're not really saying anything. You grab your stuff and go. And then you get in your car, you're a little annoyed. And then you're annoyed to the person that's driving down the street. And then that person gets annoyed. And we don't realize little actions like that of taking things so personally that we then push it on to the next person. Right. And it turns into this, um, that cashier was not trying to piss you off. She lost her dog yesterday. And you know what I mean? There, everyone is going through something. We take it all super personally that that right. person is hacking us. And it's like, it has nothing to do with you. We, we, we're so thinking the world revolves around us when it's like, it has nothing to do with you. You know, don't take it personally. In fact, instead of taking it personally, is it possible for you to put a smile on that person's face instead? How about be extra friendly? Right. Now the person that cut you off on the freeway today, instead of giving him the middle finger, you know, just allow it to happen. Maybe he's late to work or he's going to lose his job. You know, it doesn't make it so you're like, okay, you're allowed to be an asshole. Just drive around and cut people off. What it does though is change the behavior in yourself so that you don't become that, you know? Yeah, and I, I think there's a there's a little bit of a res- resistance I find. Uh, again, not to use social media as an example, but in the last year and a half, most of us have probably not been out amongst folks very much. Um, there seems to be a resistance to this idea of just letting things go because sometimes that driver on the road is an asshole. Sometimes they're just pricks. But you know what? I look at it, I try to look at it. I'm not always the best at it, but I try to look at it this way. Number one. If someone's a prick to me once, nothing I can do about that. But if I allow it to ruin my day or worse, I allow it to affect the way I treat other people and I'm a prick now to other folks, now they've hurt me way more than that one moment. And so I don't feel the need to to rail against them or to like um, carry a grudge or subtweet or whatever the fuck people do to sort of get that anger out. I just say, you know, whatever, man, doesn't matter. Who cares? Really? In the end of the day, if I, if I take that approach, my day is awesome. If I take the other approach, I'm just wallowing. What was it that you said earlier? I'm wallowing in the pig shit all day long. You know, the other thing that I try to, I try to express to folks, um, and it seems to be not in favor, but like the dog piling that happens online, you know, like one person makes a mistake or they do something you don't like, or they have an opinion that's not what the tribe feels like. And um, we do two things as a tribe, or people with tribe mentality. We villainize them to the nth degree, right? Nazi, uh, pedo, uh, whatever. We, we always take it as far as we possibly can. 
and then and then everyone else feels obligated to to jump in and equally attack, right? And I'm always worried, and it's happened before, that someone is going to fuck up, say something stupid. Everyone is going to respond and be equally as rash with their responses. And then someone's going to commit suicide or someone's going to hurt themselves or someone's going to whatever. Like you said, it's a domino effect. And I don't think people are mindful of the effect that their words have on someone. And sometimes, certainly if you have the ability, try to make their day better. I agree with that. That's a great attitude to have. At very minimum, just fucking let it go, man. Just let, I think my mom used to call it be a duck. You know, like let the water wash off your back. Like who cares? Really in the end of the day, who cares? You know, at very minimum, if, it's like if you can't say anything nice, just don't say anything at all. Yeah. And I think that even if we apply, if we implemented that into the way we interact with folks and we take that deep breath before we respond, before we fire off the tweet, I think that we will find far less hostility amongst our, our comrade at arms, you know, our, our, the people that we are surrounded with every day. And that's the way that you can make small positive differences in the world is by treating people with the same courtesy and respect that you would hope that they would treat you with. Absolutely. And I will challenge you on the point. (laughs) I will challenge you and say that, and I think you would agree with this is the way journalism has moved into this infotainment, um, it's no longer a delivery of news, but a delivery of panic and anxiety. Mm, very much so. And because of that, because we've been absorbing this type of quote unquote news, we are so, we ourselves have turned into very hyper emotional beings mm-hmm. where the slightest infraction and we have our rocks and pitchforks ready to go yeah. because there it it's a release of dopamine. Mm-hmm. Our brain loves that shit, right? It's like eating sugar. It's a yeah. drug. That's why it's so important to pay attention to the emotions you feel after reading the news because yeah. They will then translate into your personal life where everything's this panic mode and anxiety and ready to burn the people, you know, on the Mm -hmm. stage type of thing where it's like, whoa, 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 slow down. And you're right. There's a dog piling. And I will, I am a very, I'm very vocal about this, uh, particularly where women, especially, especially the girl gangs Mm -hmm. are ridiculous ridiculous way more than men where if one woman says one thing it is the whole gang comes in and goes after someone whether usually a male and then Mm -hmm. he's defeated immediately because he's not allowed to say anything because we're in post me Too movement right Mm -hmm. he's stuck he can't say anything but if it's one woman then the whole gang comes in and that's where i'm like hey ladies calm down what do you you know and and I, i i'll take it Instead, because someone needs to stand up to the gang, right. you know, and say, hey, you're a little out of control. Check your emotions at the door. Maybe get some rational thinking in there. You know, rational thinking is good for you. Uh, and pull down the anxiety and fear. Because essentially, 
and I, I think you alluded to it earlier, a lot of this is rooted in fear mm-hmm. and the lack of control over the unknown. You know, people have a struggle with trying to control tomorrow. Well, if we could just vaccinate everyone, then COVID will go away. Right. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. You, you know, it, it just doesn't. If I could just make a million dollars, I will be happy. N- no. Sure. It just doesn't work that way. And this the is, sooner you... Go ahead. I was going to say, I practice magic and I can't wave a wand to make that shit happen. So, uh, right. you know, it's, it's not reality to your point. Yeah. You know, and I think... Um, Anxiety comes from the fear of the unknown. Depression comes from living in the past. So this anxiety we feel constantly, it's like reverberating in in our society and reverberates back from the news, constantly Mm -hmm. pushing out anxiety as this drug. It makes you a little nutty. You know, I mean, it can cause some severe mental health issues. We're seeing, I mean, when I visited in LA, I was shocked with how, not okay a lot of people there i could feel it the minute i stepped off the plane i'm like oh my god you guys gotta stop watching the news you all are like like freaking me out and i just got here i can feel the anxiety and panic like the world's ending you know and it's the gloom and doomers as i like to call them and it's like you know you have got to check your emotions and who are you allowing your power to take hold of, you know, I mean, who's taking control of the power you have the, the moment you are able to relinquish the, uh, the notion that you're in somehow control of things other than your reactions and thoughts, your life immediately becomes like you're floating. Right. You don't walk anymore. You float because mm-hmm. literally everything is completely out of your control. You have no anxiety. There is right. there is none because you know it'll just work out the way it's supposed to work out. You know, it's um dioism or taoism. I mean, it's it's a matter of I think it's a wooey. It's a um uh life philosophy, uh Chinese life philosophy. It's been around since BC, you know, where do nothing. And it's not about being less lazy. It's about just floating down the river instead yeah. of fighting against the current, you know? I think, and it, it, I think Burroughs was really into that idea of the do nothing. Yeah. He, pre- he preaches that a lot where it's sort of take the easiest route to accomplishing something. And you're right. It's not laziness. It's just don't make your life harder than it needs to be. The, the rigors of living life is inherently hard. That's just, that's just part of it. And we are all going to die anyway, point blank. Right. So you can swim upstream all your, all your life if you want to, but in the end, you're going to end up at the same place. So why not try to enjoy your time in this place and recognize that again, this is just my personal perspective that we're all, vessels of the same source you know we're all just experiencing life from a different vantage point and that 
there's really not a difference between you and myself and anyone else that's listening or on Twitter or on Facebook or any of those things. There's some minor disagreements on how things should occur and sometimes they're stronger than others. But in the end, truly, we're, we're, we're living in a world in which we have to survive and we have to enjoy until it, it comes to its natural end. And how we choose to do that is entirely our is entirely our choice if we allow it to be. Or if we sacrifice it, then it will be someone else's choice on how we how we experience life. And in my experience, giving that power away to someone else is not the healthiest thing to do. Or go ahead and do it. Allow your power. Who am I to judge how right. one is to live their life? If that is what you feel is best for you, by all means. It's just personally for me, not the way I want to live. I don't want to live in the past and I don't have, I, don't, I haven't found a crystal ball yet that tells me what tomorrow right. 100% will look like, you know? So I can't live in those, those two areas. Um, but I also don't judge those who do live there. And that's why right. when there are people who are, literally living in their bunkers and deathly afraid of COVID, which I completely, I, I can empathize. I can understand their point of view because mm-hmm. that's their life. I don't, I don't get to judge how someone reacts to their environment. That's their life. Just right. like they don't get to judge how I live my life. I, the way I see it is I can help guide them. I can provide a different perspective but I certainly would never tell someone what to do or what not to do. That's not my place in this world. And that's no one's place in this world. The only yeah. thing I would add to that is I do think one thing I would ask people, I mean, again, they don't have to listen to me. They can go tell me to fuck off. That's fine. But I would ask them to take honest stock of their life. And if the things in their life aren't bringing them happiness, change something yeah. and just see how you feel. Just change something. If uh, to sort of circle back to what we were talking about at the beginning, like if you're going through a series of bad relationships and bad experiences with men, change something. Change your attitude. Change your behaviors. Change where you hang out. You know, maybe maybe stop picking up folks at the bar. Maybe meet people at a library. That must probably a totally different experience. Um, maybe you know, changing the music you listen to first thing in the morning. Changing the information you put in your brain versus old information. If you're unhappy, if you're happy with your life, do whatever you want. But if you're not happy, if you're being honest with yourself and you're not happy, change something and take honest stock of what that does, what the ripple effects of that are. And then chase that thread until you find a place that you are happy with your life before, before it comes to an end. And the, and it's so easy for us to sit back. And that's why I would never call myself a life coach because I can't stand that term or anything like that. Because I think it's easy for people just to be like, oh, just change something. You know, um, I was told that years ago. I was like, I'm like, I can't, I can't. And I, I, I didn't want to admit why I couldn't change something or change my life. Because what it inherently comes down to is fear. Mm-hmm. And nobody really wants to admit that they fear having to change something in their life because they don't know what that looks like. They like living in their comfy little zone. That's why 75% of people stay in a job they actually don't like. 75%. That's ridiculous. 
That's ridiculous. And it's because they're like, well, I don't like this job, but I'm fearful of trying to find something different, you know? And yeah. it's put, you've got to get comfy in the uncomfortable. That is the only way you are able to grow and find true happiness, you know? And instead of surviving life, you can actually thrive in life. We're not here just to survive, though we are a species. We're no better than the ant that walks in front of us. We're no better than the dinosaurs that came before us. We too will have our time come to an end as a species. But while we're on this earth as individuals, we get to decide how we choose to live. Are we just surviving every day? Or do we choose to truly thrive in it? Those mm -hmm. are all choices. No, nobody, nobody makes that or pushes that on to you, no matter what your past um, has dictated to you. You have a choice every single day when you wake up of what you want yourself to feel. You don't know what the day will look like. You haven't a clue. You could get in a car accident and become paralysis. Mm -hmm. But... You, the minute you open your eyes every morning, can be grateful that you opened your eyes that day and to have, and decide how you want to feel. And every action from that point on then continues. And you made a good point earlier where if you see the world as this, oh my God, society's a mess and all men are bad and it's all these people that are coming over the border that are, are bringing COVID and then that's all you're going to see. Mm -hmm. No one will, will come in and change your mind. You will only see that world in which you've designed. It, you'll never attract anything else. If all men are terrible, you'll never see anything different. And the minute you're able to just change that thinking and just change the language you say inside your brain and externally, you will actually see doors open like you had never seen before that you didn't even know existed. It's all about the things that you allow to permeate in your brain and what you say to yourself. Absolutely. I think um, heeding said advice can truly make one the architect of their own universe. You are anyway. It's just rather a matter of whether or not you recognize it or not. Um, we're getting close to the end, so I wanted to touch quickly and have you share some of the other things that you do. Because beyond the newsletter and uh, being an advocate, you also do um, modeling and you have a 3D exhibition. Quickly, let everyone else know all the other stuff you're doing right now and then where they can find you if they're like interested in learning more about your men's advocacy or your just general pretty well-rounded views on life or any of those things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think you're right. It's uh, I always try to figure out like, what's my title, you know, and I'm like, I do lots of different things. I use lots of different mediums in order to push out the foundational work and the mindfulness. You know, I utilize my art as a way to capture um, the eyeballs in order to push out a message. Mm -hmm. So, and I enjoy the, the art of, of modeling my fine art, nude modeling. And, um, that I do as, as just a hobby, as a side. Um, I used to do commercial modeling years ago, but I didn't like it because I couldn't have my own voice. Mm -hmm. And I like the fact of being able to do my own and using the body to, uh, express a message. 
You know, um, I think that's that's the duty for any of us that utilize social media is having intention around the things that you are putting out there because there are, are eyeballs that are mm-hmm. looking at it and, and absorbing it. So, uh, yes, I do modeling on the side for fun and uh, and I'm a writer for, you know, first and foremost, um, right now I have my weekly newsletter, this thing called Life that comes out on Sundays and tomorrow's um, will be an interesting one. So I'm interested. <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, I'm excited to, to release that one tomorrow. And I'm in the process. I'm heavily, heavily focused right now uh, writing my memoir. Oh, I, that's exciting. Yeah. So I'm really excited. That'll be complete by the end of um, this year. And uh, I work on it daily, daily, daily. And it, it, it progresses from how I became who I am today from such a type A human being and all the, all the stuff I had to go through and, and really transforming into an entirely different being. It wasn't even so much a Phoenix rising story as it is uh, a completely different bird. So, um, so I'm excited about the memoir. Uh, I just had an interview about a month ago with CNBC which actually mm. sparked my own thoughts of, of writing a memoir. Uh, and the interview was like two and a half hours long. It was my experience at Google uh, and the transformation I made from corporate into what I do today. So uh, that's all incorporated into the memoir. So I'm excited by that. Um, the best way to reach me is uh, via Twitter and Instagram. And my website is kfortkira.com. And yes, I'm always open to any and all uh, feedback, opinions, perspectives. And um, I absolutely enjoy connecting with all different types of people on a, on a daily basis. I love having that, that open communication. So absolutely feel free to reach out. Well, I think the work that you're doing is fantastic. I feel like um, the more difficult it is for you to be labeled or for you to even label yourself as to what you are, must mean you're doing something right because why are we trying to fit in a box? You know, let people, let people ingest your art and then tell you what they perceive your title to be. Uh, I think at least that's an approach I think that is uh, something I try to espouse. And I feel like more people should aim for if that's their calling to do so. But I, I love the work that you do. I think it's really challenging in a world that needs a little bit of a kick in the ass sometimes. And, and I think that you do, you do it in a respectful way and you do it in an invocative way and you do it in a way that is um, both challenging, but also captivating. And uh, it's a rarity and I'd like to see more of it. So I appreciate your role in the world and the art that you're putting out there. And I appreciate your time coming out here uh, and spending Sometimes sharing your story and your perspective for those. And kfakira.com, absolutely go check that out. All your stuff is sort of listed there. Um, if you follow my website, davisguro.com, your page is listed in the recommendations. Um, check, keep an eye out for the newsletter. I always love waking up to reading it. I think it's just, it's a good, it's, and it's, you know, it's lengthy. So it gives you some time to really sit and read something in long form rather than your quick doom scrolling quick bites. Uh, I think it's, it's really excellently written. And again, it always challenges me. And if, and if we're not challenging ourselves, we're not growing typically. And 
we should grow until the time comes that we are no longer growing. So thank you so much, Kira, for your time, your efforts, your work. I really appreciate it. And I hope other people come away from this appreciating it also, learning a little bit more about you and check your work out for themselves. Thank you so much, Dave. I really enjoyed my time uh, today and, and wildly appreciate the, the opportunity just to speak to you and also to your uh, listeners. Well, thank you so much. Gold rings on you and talk again soon. Thank you. I want to thank Kira once again for being so gracious with her time uh, and her energy and sharing her perspective, especially as it relates to men's health and wellness. I, I know that, and I mean, as we've mentioned on the podcast you just listened to, I know that um, it feels like it's there, there's an understandable frustration amongst a lot of folks in that the way men often behave and how they their role in society and how society positions men and some of the fallout from that. And uh, I want to make a point of noting that that frustration is valid and understandable. But I also really appreciated Kira's perspective on how we should go about addressing this. And I think that uh, as a as a as a person who grew up facing bigotry throughout my life, and I'm sure many of you who are listening can understand this, be you a person of color or a woman or neurodivergent, I, I think that many of us have gone through life being on the opposite end of, of bigotry and hatred for things that are beyond our control. And I would, I would urge folks, in spite of frustrations or trauma or experiences, to rise above the urge to sink to the level of bigotry uh, and to paint with big, broad, negative brushes. I feel like we can't improve upon what we're doing with the world if we're just wholesale writing off entire sects of folks who have, uh, who again, who be the, be, be the race or their or their uh, gender or their or their sexuality or any of those things because that is that is ultimately born of hatred and born of of trauma and it it divides the world in a, in ways that we're as we can just clearly look out the window or look on social media and you can see that this world is divided into tribal camps it may be worse than it's ever been and i would implore everyone despite your experiences um, despite your very justifiable annoyances or frustrations or or hurt uh, to open your heart to being more empathetic and to trying to understand that these things, these very real and, and traumatizing moments in life and, and experiences, while, while your, your feelings are justifiable, if we want to make a change, if we want to spare people the same hurt and trauma that you've experienced, that I've experienced, that we've all experienced, we're not going to do it by damning entire groups of folks based on something that's beyond their control. We, we will only be able to do it by opening our hearts and minds and being empathetic and, and employing reason and logic and finding productive and constructive ways of addressing problems so that the next generation of men or whatever uh, category you're speaking about will be raised in a manner that allows them to be, to exhibit more, uh, more appropriate behaviors and and ultimately make the world a safer place for everyone a happier place for everyone um, i know that might sound a little a little uh, uh live laugh love and that's fine i understand that but in my personal belief this world is fucking hard and we're all we're do we're all in here trying to do our best to make it through the days and um, you know again not to discount anyone's 
anyone's experiences. They're all valid. But I do think, as Kira noted, that we're responsible for what we do after that event occurs. And I think that if we turn our minds to trying to make the world a better place, it not only will help do that, but it will also help us regain some of our own sovereignty over our own actions and and, and uh, feelings and wrestle away the control from abusers back towards us, back to us, so that we can take control of it. And who doesn't want that? Why would we not want that? So again, I know that um, some people may listen to this and be like, well, I'm going to continue on my menace trash um, crusade, and that's fine. Um, but I, I, as I think it's well noted, uh, had a, I was talking to a friend and they said it this way. I understand how and why you feel the way that you feel. And I empathize and maybe even agree with the way that you feel. But if if I in agreement and being alienated by the rhetoric that you're using, just imagine how much more alienating those folks who may not agree with you are, are feeling. And what's the end goal? Is it simply venting online? Or are we trying to make some meaningful change in the world? Because if it's the latter, then I think we have, uh, we need to put a little bit more work into how we communicate publicly our frustrations or our experiences with a given uh, section of of humanity. Because in the end, that's what we all are, humans. So thank you once again, Kira, for coming on the podcast and and sharing so much insight. I want to thank you all, listeners, for tuning in with us once again and going on this journey with us. I hope that you are able to come away from this with at least some food for thought, if nothing else. Uh, if that's if, Even if it uh, allows you to think about some things that maybe hadn't been intuitive before, then I think that we've all done our job. So thank you once again. Thank you to Kira. Thank you to you. And until next time, gold rings on you all.